0: Well, hey there, everybody. Meteorologist Andrew Gorton here on another edition of the First Alert Weather Podcast today. It's a little bit special here because we've got Captain Jimmy Lee Armel. We're going to talk a little bit about fishing and how the weather impacts different kind of uh, fish biting here on the Georgia coast. Jimmy, you've been doing this for quite some time. Thanks for being on here today.
1: Thanks for having me, Andrew.
0: So what what do you got going on right now? We're officially into summer what does a summer look like for you as a charter captain here on the Georgia coast?
1: Uh, awesome, awesome, awesome fishing. A lot of bait migrations. All the live bait has moved up from the south, kind of settled in here for the summer. So on a six-hour trip, we're throwing the cast net, getting a net full of menhaden, what we call pogies. And then we're going out to the reefs and putting live baits out the back and basically waiting for a kingfish, cobia, barracuda to eat it. On an eight-hour, we're going out kind of doing the same thing around towers and then over live bottom in deeper water and then doing a lot of bottom fishing out there for, uh, of course, the ever-elusive red snapper that we can catch about 100 of but we can't keep. And then um, then you got your uh, sea bass, you know, grouper species such as, uh, you know, strawberry grouper, gag grouper, uh, you got vermilion snapper, triggerfish. I could go on and on and yeah.
0: on. So, Kingfish, you just posted a picture on social media not that long ago. You got quite a big one.
1: Yeah, it was in the 40-pound range. It was, a, it was the biggest one we've ever had on the uh, Sportsman Open 312 that we have. We've had it for almost two years now, and um, the biggest one we've had on there. So, we put a few in the box. Yeah,
0: I mean, it was, it was a great picture. It probably put up a heck of a fight. So, weather-wise, right now we're under – we've got high pressure up above us. So, that means calmer, calmer waves – the wind's kicking back in here from the south. And I know high pressure is good news for you guys, typically because it means that you could go out for longer. You're not fighting these waves, a big chop out there, and, and it means some better fishing.
1: Yeah, the, the wind has been absolutely horrible for, it seems like, forever now. I yeah. always say it's the, I've been calling it the great wind, I think, for two years now. Um, but, yeah, it, it is nice when it does flatten out and lets us, lets us get out there. Uh, looks like we have some wind this week. But uh, I'm hoping after that we'll get a couple weeks there of uh, some flat calm, flat calm oceans, let us get out and kind of do what we want and get these people on fish that have never done it before.
0: So usually after you go through a stretch where, because we have a front that's going to come in this weekend and and anytime we have a front that kind of, you know, stirs things up and, and for probably two or three days, it makes it not ideal to get out um, offshore or inshore for that matter. But do you think that after a few days of more people not out on the water when things kind of flatten back down and you don't have a northeasterly wind or something like that, that the fish bite more? Are they Are they a little bit more aggressive that first day you get back out there?
1: Um, that, that, that varies. Usually, yeah, right after a front actually leaves the area, it fires back up. It's pretty cool when you have those small little storm fronts come through during the summer. You can see it as the storm's coming, bait's going crazy. You're getting bites, and then the front kind of settles over you for a minute, and everything kind of dies. And then as it leaves, everything comes back to life. It's uh, it's pretty cool when you watch it.
0: Yeah, it, I think it is cool. And I, I want to ask you this too because Fisher's smarter than I think a lot of people give him credit for. Do you think that um, you know the color? Does it go down to even like the color of a braided line or a lure based on the sky conditions will affect if you get a bite or not? Because I know that if it's cloudy. It is definitely going to affect things versus if it's sunny because fish can get spooked a little easier, especially if you're top water fishing.
1: Yeah, there's um th- there's there's definitely something to the color of it. Um, you know I like greens and blues and all of that because pretty much every live bait out there has a green blue tint to it. Um, as far as cloud cover, yeah, I like to have cloud cover because it just adds camouflage. It doesn't matter if you're using live bait or artificials. Because even with a live bait, you don't want them to see the hook. You don't want them to see the leader. So you want as much camouflage as you can, but you don't want too much camouflage because you want them to be able to see what you're trying to make them eat. Yep. So it's definitely, but it does definitely play a big part.
0: So I know that you are you get a little bit creative fishing every now and then, and you've gotten some fun top water hits that typically mm-hmm. people don't fish top water for.
1: Yeah, well, I've been to, I like to. I like to when I go out by myself. I like to take my trout rods offshore just to well, why not. Fun, right um and then getting around those towers and whipping around those top waters for amber jacks and barracudas and kingfish it's it's pretty cool to watch them blow up on it and then you can carry one on the boat and after you hook up uh get a live bait bite throw really fast throw exactly where that live bait was and start ripping it because so there's probably a couple of fish chasing that one bait
0: Yeah. I don't think people realize just how many different species we have off the coast here and how many different areas there are to fish. You know, you have your, your things that are going to be on your charts, like the different artificial reefs, but I think less and less people are going to be making that haul out to the towers because of how gas prices are right now. You know, that's, that's a big hit and hopefully we're going to get those going down, but it's a haul out there, right? I mean, it. how long does, does it typically take for you to get out to those old Navy Towers?
1: Um, it depends on which one you go to. If you, the, the ones that I prefer, you know, like R7 is a good one. It's the closest. Um, you know, it's about 34 miles off of Tybee Beach. So, it uh, depends on if it's flat calm. You can get there in an hour or less than an hour. Pretty easy. Uh, if it's not flat calm, you know, it's going to take you about an hour and a half.
0: Yeah. And then it's even further to the Gulf Stream. because, And this is what's interesting to me, too, because I'll watch – showers and storms fire up along the Gulf Stream during the afternoons of the summertime. And even sometimes in in the morning, we can see lightning offshore and and everyone's always like, oh, it's going to storm, it's going to storm. And I'm like, no, I mean, you can see lightning from tens of miles away. In fact, like a quick personal story, I've seen lightning from 90 miles away before. That wasn't anywhere near here. That was in the plains. I was actually uh, in Iowa and I saw it like it wasn't like a, a bolt, but you could see like the light light up. And I know the curvature of the earth really you start seeing that impact at about 14 or so miles. So you're not going to see it hit the ground, but you can see it light up the top of a huge thunderstorm. And some of these get 45,000 plus feet up there. So you can see them from a good bit off. But what I'm saying all that to say, it is cool to see some of these thunderstorms offshore in the morning. And that doesn't really affect anybody on land, but for people who make a living out of fishing, that could determine if you're going to make a run to the Gulf Stream or not someday, if it's storming over there. And also, I want you to explain, too, if you, if you can, how the Gulf Stream kind of changes. Sometimes it's a little bit closer. Sometimes it's a little bit further away, depending on, you know, exactly the time of the summer.
1: Yeah, Andrew, the uh, the whole Gulf Stream thing, it's actually it's really new to me, and it's really interesting Um I was actually hoping you could tell me why it moves, They, uh, but sometimes you'll be out there and, you know, the temperature break for the stream will be, you know, 60 miles off. Uh, then the next, ne- you know, I shouldn't say next day, then you go out another time and it might be 75 miles off. Uh, so that joker definitely shifts um, and it is absolutely crazy watching storms when you're sitting out there, you'll see something coming towards you and then. It catches something, it goes the opposite way, you know, I don't know if it's another little front over there moving it, something not allowing it to push the way it was originally going, and then you'll be out there, and it'll be beautiful and flat calm, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, there's a storm above you. Uh, yeah, so definitely all things to keep in mind when you're out there, and that's why you should always keep an epurb and uh, have a VHF radio on board as well.
0: Yeah, I don't know exactly why it it shifts. I just know that, you know, these are highways of water um, It's kind of a way to to look at it. And that's why we're moving
1: about four or five knots, you know, mm -hmm. so it's a very fast warm water current just ripping through there. A lot of people seem to think that it's an actual uh, like it doesn't move. They think it's actual. It's right at the ledge, you know, right where it hits at 250, 275 feet. People think it's right there. Um, it's, it's not, it's actually a current of water. It's like, a it's, uh, the equivalent to the, what is it? The jet stream. The yeah. Sky.
0: So we have the jet stream that's above us. And, uh, obviously that's colder air cause temperatures go down with height, but that's going to fluctuate greatly day by day. The Gulf stream doesn't move as much. And I think it stays usually within 20 miles of, you know, sometimes it's 60 versus 80 or whatever you want to call it. But I, I actually want to do a little bit of research and see on why that that move. So it just doesn't affect, that's not something we really forecast on a daily basis, but Uh I, sometimes I will notice that those storms are further off and the, our radars here don't pick up those storms well offshore, as well as some days I'm like, they're closer. I'm like, oh, well, you know, the Gulf streams maybe 50 to 60 miles in today, but that it's not like a daily change that it's going to go by 10 or 15 miles. It's gradual and and it will shift. It's probably just a, a seasonal thing. Um, but I think it's cool because it is like a highway for these fish. And that's why the people want to go out there and fish it because it flows North. So you get some of these fish that maybe are a little bit more tropical coming in from the South and they're, they're hanging out over there. So what, what are some of the fish that you could go, maybe people target on the Gulf stream versus one of the, the towers or one of these artificial reefs that are closer to, you know, 10 miles offshore.
1: Uh, the, the most popular species is going to be your mahi. They're otherwise known as dolphin. They're going to be your, uh, That's going to be your your most caught fish out there. And once the water gets so warm and that Gulf Stream gets blended and there's no real temperature break, I wouldn't even waste your time going out there. Um, Obviously, there's going to be wahoo, blackfin tuna. Um, You'll see sailfish out there. And uh, once in a blue moon, you'll hear somebody hooking them on accident a marlin. But there's some guys that actually chase them regularly around here that do fairly well with them. But that's a little bit further rod to go. Actually, target those jokers.
0: Yeah, it's uh, you know, to to many people that think of fishing on the Georgia or South Carolina coast, they're thinking maybe redfish or um, you know kingfish, and they're not thinking marlin and and all these fish that you think of, you know, maybe South Florida and then the Caribbean. But that Gulf Stream gives them an opportunity to make their way up here. It's not necessarily a migration. It's just an avenue for them to come a little bit further north if they. They so choose to, and that goes away right up, of course, closer to the outer banks. And what's nice about the outer banks is since it's kind of in the name, like outer, like it it goes further out people that fish up there. And we have, we have a mutual friend who, who fishes up there now. He doesn't have to have as long of a ride to get to the Gulf stream. So it's a little bit easier for people in North Carolina to go in and access these more exotic fish.
1: Yeah. That's uh, they got it good out there. I'm a little bit jealous of Clayton up there.
0: Yeah, Clayton's a a, a great fisherman, and, and he had his hand in the the Georgia fishing uh, pot for a while. Yeah, so,
1: yeah, and he he moved on, to, moved on to the Outer Banks, working on a sport boat up there, so I, he's living the dream.
0: Hey, he's not having to spend as much money on gas though, so that that's pretty. I know it that's must a be good nice, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. you know, this morning, not to bring news into it, but uh, during our morning show, they were talking about Biden trying to suspend the federal gas tax. So. Um, hopefully that that brings costs down for you guys because just like with fishing or anything, that cost gets pushed down to consumers. Whatever it is, you know, everything's getting more expensive, and and it starts with fuel, and it goes down from there. But we don't, I don't think we realize how many things are made with with oil in general. Because I mean, even some plastic lures, I haven't seen those really go up in price. But everything, it's just trucking it somewhere, and and let's just hope that that goes for the better because this is the worst time of the year for that. I mean, everybody wants to get out and travel. AAA A saying that, you know, 40 plus million Americans going to travel for the 4th of July. You've got people coming in, you know, daily during the summer going on trips, but you might see that go down a little bit if they don't, you know, people can't afford it because you have to pass those costs on to, to your customers. But, Jimmy, I know you stay busy. How many trips do you typically do during the summer this is is this your busiest time of the year I know it sounds kind of like a dumb question but
1: yes yes it is our busiest time of year we do have a year-round fishery here we do catch fish year-round but this is our busy season um pretty much you know within the next couple of days all the schools including in the northeast will be out everybody will be coming down here and this is really when things pick up and you can pretty much have charters at least one if not two a day um, every day that the weather lets you out to fish all the way through September, pretty much.
0: And what, are, what kind of clients come into town? Is it almost solely people that are coming in town for vacations? Do you have a lot of local people that, that get on the boat?
1: Um, no majority of my people are from out of town. I have a couple few locals that come with me that, uh, you know, have been coming with me since I've started, um, that's about three or four people, but the rest of them are pretty much people from out of town. And, um, I get a lot of out of towners that come here yearly that, uh, come with me every year. And how many days are you out on the water in, in a calendar year? Uh, oh, how many days am I on the water? Even just like filming and stuff? Like, yeah. Cause oh, it's gotta gosh. be like
0: 300
1: or uh, close to it. Oh, uh, 250 plus. It depends on the weather. You know, last year was probably definitely broke 200 days on the water last year, but, uh it, if, it if, it's, if it's fishable, typically I'm out there. So if I'm not here doing it, I'm, I'm down in the Keys or somewhere like that with the Starbright crew fishing down there with those wild guys. So, uh, yeah, usually 250 plus. 250 is usually an average number, I'd say. So I try to spend as much time out there as I can.
0: <laughs> yeah, but some days those 250, you got multiple trips. or are 2 two-a-days. Yep. So uh, that's it's wild. But, I mean, that's how you learn it. Like with me, like diving into – numerical weather models and trying to understand patterns that are happening at the surface, the mid-levels, the upper levels, you are doing the same thing. And and like any good charter captain would be, you're doing the same thing, but trying to plan and attack and get a forecast of what do you think a specific species of fish will be doing based on the pattern, whether it's high pressure, low pressure, cloudy, what the wind direction is. But two, another variable that you have to deal with is the tide incoming or outgoing.
1: Yeah, that's one really unique thing about fishing off the Savannah Coast. It really doesn't matter, you know, where you're at um, off the Georgia coast fishing. You know, you could be, it's a big, big deal in the rivers, or you can be um, near shore on the reefs or offshore. And it is, that tide plays a huge, huge part because we have a big tide swing here. It's a lot of water moving around. You know, it can be anywhere from 6, you know, 10, 12, sometimes 13 feet. And that has a huge effect on everything. So if you can start putting patterns of bait and game fish around those tides, um, it, it, it'll make a huge difference, and that definitely definitely help you catch more fish.
0: Yeah, I've seen you. Um, I don't know how you do it. It's kind of like if you ever seen the movie Twister, where you just look up in the sky and you know what the what, <laughs> where the tornado is going to form. Yeah, I've seen you uh, back whenever you had your your old center console, and you would like look up what the tide was. You would like write down on a pencil like on your little dash like what you would coming up with some sort of calculation, you're like, all right, we need to go here, we need to throw the anchor there, We the tide's going this way, cast out, and within five minutes, whoever you have on the boat's catching fish. Like, it's it's that, you can read as many books as you want, but getting out there and doing it is the only way to truly learn this craft.
1: Yeah, I always I always tell people, I'm like, you're not going to catch them sitting on the couch. You know, obviously, you know, I've... Um i have a youtube channel american fishing charters it'll show you what kind of goes through my head and this that and the other but at the end of the day it's just time on the water you know i try to help people cut corners because whether it's fuel or lures or rods or boats or whatever fishing's expensive um you know guys that can only fish weekends you know with weather and stuff you might only really get to fish 50 times a year and that's not a lot so i'd like to you know help those guys cut the learning curve and uh put some more fish in the boat but if uh Pay attention to the tides, pressure systems, and all that when you're out there because you can definitely pattern out fish around that.
0: Yeah, and, and it seems like you've done pretty good with that. You, looking at where you started, you want to give people a little background? Of of course, not the full history, but you didn't start out as as a fishing charter. This is something that you've loved, and, and the charter business itself is is still relatively a new venture in life.
1: Yeah, I've been doing this about five years. I was an Army Ranger before and got out with combat-related injuries, and. One thing led to another, and started fishing from a 22 foot center console. and Now we're in a 30 footer, and uh, uh, actually, it looks like we might be uh, getting a, another new sportsman here this uh, this this winter. So, um, it it it's uh it, it's been quite the ride. And my um, buddy, uh, we started a nonprofit called Not Lucky, and a buddy of mine Ryan Davis came in my life here recently, and he's. Uh, He's getting uh, taking a big role in not lucky. I think we're I think we're giving him the title COO. Uh, you <laughs> so yeah. I, old wild man's gonna gonna go around and um, raise some funds and stuff, and um, we're gonna try to raise enough to where we can, you know, put, put vets on the water every single day of the year that we can physically able uh, are able to fish out there whenever right. Mother Ocean lets us out. Um, so yeah, it's kind of uh, taking directions that I never thought were possible.
0: What I think is cool is that you're taking advantage of of your talents and, and what you have in front of you because obviously your charter business is for profit. That's how you make a living. Yeah. But on days that maybe, uh, you know, not that you, you don't want to fish it, but you will block off days. You're like, this vet needs to get on the water today, not booking charters, not going to make money, but we're going to make an impact in this person's life. And that's what Not Lucky is about for you. It's to uh, give these veterans an escape and maybe just, you know, get some like-minded people together that that have been through some things that maybe civilians haven't and talk about it over fishing, which can be a, a great release.
1: Yeah, just being out there together back in a team environment offshore with a bunch of dudes that have all been in the same kind of environment, meaning same kind of environment, being a combat environment, you know, we we take out dudes that have been in uh, direct action conflict and uh, just go fishing. You know, if yeah. We, if we talk about stuff, we talk about stuff. If we talk about fishing, we talk about fishing. You know, it's just a good time to get out there, and it helps a lot of dudes. It really clears the mind. No. No distractions, really nothing to think about, but having a good time smiling and uh, hopefully hopefully landing the fish of a lifetime in the process. Yeah, I hope
0: so. And, and I know that you've got some lofty goals coming up here as well. And, and I just actually met your new first mate, which is what made me want to bring you on the, the weather podcast here this week to, to kind of pick your brain on, on different weather patterns. But also I, I just think it's a, a cool opportunity and, and you know, with the news business being in this, cause I'm in the weather department, but you know, still can't escape the news. There's a lot of bad news out there these days and, and trying to see, you know, more good news get put out there and inspiration anytime you can put a smile on somebody's face, whether it's in a weather forecast or doing a story. I, I met with you guys not that long ago. And I'm trying to put this story together about what what not lucky is trying to do because there are positive stories out there. And a lot of people just kind of get this negative viewpoint on what's going on in life. And they don't realize that there are good people doing good things out there. And, and one of your goals, and this will be more so in the story I'm trying to put together within the next couple of weeks is trying to get you know, a hundred veterans out within, I don't know, like starting later this year to the following year, what, what came to be with that goal? Like, how did you get to that point and, and that be what you guys wanted to do.
1: Uh, <laughs> I'm going to just say the range mentality. I, I yeah. don't really, a lot of times we kind of look around and like, how do we get here? Um, you know, you're sitting here, you got a, a lot of things accomplished and, but your head's still kind of spinning. Uh, you know, it, I, I was just getting as many guys out as I could. Um, when Ryan fished with me a couple of times, he was like, you, you just, you, you have to do this. If you're not doing this all the time with the boys, he's like, you're kind of being selfish. Um, you know, Ranger tells it how it is. Uh, and for those that don't know Ryan, Ryan's a triple amputee. He got blown up in 2019 in Afghanistan. Only, you know, has whole right hip gone. Only thing, he has his left arm. Everything else is prosthetics. Um, dude is out there slaying fish, most motivational dude you can probably ever be around. Um, and it's even more miraculous that it's only been two and a half years and he's been swimming, he's skiing, he's offshore fishing, um, he's wrestling, like he's doing yeah, anything. Grappling. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's all over it. Uh, so what's, what's really cool about that is, I mean, he, he's bringing, a lot of energy to the table.
0: Um, Matching your energy is hard to do, too.
1: Yeah, yeah, it is. So now there's two two wild guys running around. So, uh, but, you know, he was like, hey, man, let's, he's like, how many, how many trips can you run a year comfortably? I'm like, hey, man, 100, you know. So he was like, well, that's the goal. I said, all right, let's, let's do it. So he just, I say we push each other. He, he more pushes me. Yeah, well, that's good. He, he pushes me and I just kind of go. So, uh, but yeah it, it works and um, ho- hopefully we reach that goal you know typically we we reach every goal we set so we haven't broken that trend yet and hopefully that doesn't start now
0: yeah no reason no reason to put that to an end so I, I just kind of wanted to, to go over a few things it's, it's common sense but people you know get on a boat they get excited can we go over some like summer boating safety tips in general because obviously my mind goes to thunderstorms, you know, the earlier you get out in the day, most time, the better, because then you're not dealing with heat. Then you're not dealing with dehydration. And also, you know, but that the morning boat rides are the first half of the day. If you're going to do a half day trip, doesn't always line up with tides. So just for people that want to do this on their own new boat owners, what, what advice do you have to, to folks that are new to the area?
1: First and foremost, if you're new to boating, I would look to hire a professional captain to show you how to navigate the rivers around here and the creeks and all of that. Um, One, he's going to take you out and show you where all the stuff is because we got big tide swings. Okay, So you want to go around at low tide, even if you don't get the captain. You want to go around at low tide and just kind of putt around, see where the deep parts in the channel are, turn on your cookie crumble trails on your GPS so you know where all the deep channels are. So even when the hide's super high super high, you don't come out of that channel and hit an oyster bar that's barely covered. Um, But also, you want to hire a professional just so he can tell you the safety stuff, guys. A lot of these, you know, all these boats nowadays, 50, 60, 70-plus mile-an-hour boats are insane. Um, Doesn't have to mean you you run that. I mean, I like going fast. I do go fast on a boat. Uh, But at the same time, when you're running around, you know, and it's a holiday weekend and you got boaters everywhere, kayakers, jet skis, everybody and their brother drinking, you got to just kind of chill out, you know. Take these take these turns a little wide. If you got radar, please turn your radar on and use it. It's a great tool to have. You can pick up, you know. They mess up too, but it's just nice having being able to see around blind corners and, and, and things like that. Um, you know, stay. You know, you got to stay a minimum hundred feet away from anchor boats, uh, docks, uh, bridges, sustaining structures, swimmers in the water. Um, basically just keep your head on a swivel. If you drop your cell phone, if you have to pick it up or anything, come off a plane, uh, meaning pull back the throttle, slow down, go to neutral, pick up your phone, and then get back on plane. All it takes is a split second in the water. For some reason, it seems like a lot of people lose their minds when they get on the water. Um, and, and when I say lose their minds, it's like they get so excited and it's so, so associated with fun. And it is a very relaxing and fun thing. But it's something that can get very dangerous in the blink of an eye. You know, yep. uh, a wise captain, Mike Weathers, once told me, uh, never go faster than the amount of damage you really Calls. So just wow. a little, little little uh little tidbit of knowledge from the old school there. <laughs> yeah,
0: hey, I'd I'd say that's good for uh, a couple different aspects of life too. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> well Jimmy, it's uh, you know always good to have you on. I hope uh, you get some good fish here soon. I guess right now, if you were to go out today, what what are you fishing for? What's biting in uh, the beginning of summer?
1: Uh, right now, I would be, I would throw the cast net, get a live well full of pogies, get some stinger rigs, which you can go to American Fishing Charters, Tybee Island, Georgia on youtube and it'll show you how to tie them um and i would put a live bait out the back of the boat and wait for that kingfish to come
0: yeah and those are definitely fun to catch that's why so many people do it jimmy anything else you want to throw in there today
1: nope that'll do it i appreciate you having me andrew
0: Yep, as always you know we appreciate you guys listening here as well to the wtoc first alert weather podcast hope you guys be safe out there stay cool in this heat and we'll talk to you again here soon